Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Lend me your ear, please, dear listener, and let me tell you about three of the greatest people who've ever walked this planet. Three superheroes. Michael Bellinger, a.k.a. The Bellinger Escape Plan, Karen Cooper, a.k.a. Special Agent Cooper, and Nicole Danzer, a.k.a. The Danzer Zone. These three people have just become patrons of The Other Stories. Not only are they helping us to keep the machine oiled and keep our creators paid, but they will also get their names in all of the HNC books, and they will get early ad-free access to regular episodes of The Other Stories, as well as exclusive bonus episodes, videos, and we'll get to have first say on what themes are entered into the TOS poll. So once again, join me in saluting these absolute legends for their continued fight against crime. And by crime, I mean no new episodes of The Other Stories. You too can join the fight over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and pledge from as little as a dollar a month. Today's episode is Flesh Child, written by Stephen Prizman and narrated by Josh Curran. Jake checked his watch, then his smartphone and the power bank. Extended video recording really burned through the battery, so he expected to recharge long before the night was done. Then, he reversed his hoodie so the black side became the outside, matching his black jeans and trainers. He unclipped the lights and reflectors from his collapsible mountain bike and stowed them in his black rucksack, taking out his black knitted hat 
that could be rolled down into a ski mask. He secured this in place with a head-mounted torch and zipped the small, rugged flashlight into one of his hoodie pockets. Water bottle? Check. Snacks? Check. Gloves? Check. Extendable steel baton? Check. Night vision monocular? Check. Wire cutter? Check. He texted Gareth. ETA? 15 minutes. An OK pinged back within seconds. Jake was back on his bike a moment later and off through the woods. After 10 minutes of the fast, rough riding he loved, swerving past trees and ducking branches, Jake slowed. He knew from his previous visit that the undergrowth grew thicker from this point, and there was no cycling through holly. He dismounted, folded up the bike, and slid it under a bush at the base of an oak tree. He texted Gareth again. Gaz, five minutes. From this point, Jake walked slowly, cautiously, stalking from tree to tree, first stooping, then half-crouching. When the phone chirped from his pocket, his hand scrabbled through clothing to silence it and swipe off all alarms other than vibrate. Another text from Gaz. Got front covered. Stay put till hear from me. Jake crept forward to the well-rotted stump of a long-dead elm he had scouted out the previous weekend. Peering over, he found once again the clear view he needed of the back of Speedwell Farm. Farm was an altogether too cheery, bucolic term for what lay before him. Compound better described the reality. Encircled by a six-foot-high chicken wire fence topped with razor wire and a dozen motion-activated security lights, Speedwell Farm appeared to have reversed itself into the woods, as if retreating from the fresh air and exposure of the pastureland beyond. The only approach for vehicles was a mile-long driveway on the far side. Very near civilization as the crow flies, in every other respect, it was elsewhere. The building themselves had been arranged as so many blocking shoulders, the farmhouse, barn, garage, toolshed, and notorious stable blocks creating a courtyard that was virtually unobservable. Isolation and secrecy were what he wanted. Ted Slegsby. Three years before, scores of half-starved, neglected horses and ponies were removed by the RSPCA. There were telltale signs of dogfighting too, but not enough for a prosecution. Ted Slegsby got six months and a hundred grand fine that saw him selling off land to settle the debt and pay his lawyers. Slegsby kept his head down for a while after he got out, but his wife had somehow escaped conviction. Now, with the farm transferred into her name, it looked like they were up to their old tricks. That's what Gaz told everyone at the last district meeting of Action Against Torturers of Animals. 
He'd seen horse boxes being driven onto the farm, although there were no animals to be seen in the fields, and he'd noticed, from a distance, that their security lights were on for lengthy periods a couple of weekends in the past month. They had several large dogs, that was certain. Gaz suspected either dogfighting or the illegal meat trade, perhaps both, and wanted to do some more methodical surveillance and evidence gathering. When he asked for help staking out the place, Jake volunteered at once. And now it was on. Jake was here in the woods, and Gaz was concealed under a bush near where the driveway entered the compound, deep in enemy territory. That was the more interesting place to be, Jake thought. It was an opinion that grew as one hour stretched to two. He noticed the perimeter lights come on once, accompanied by a lot of dog barking, and stay on for almost half an hour, which suggested extended activity. The dogs continued barking incessantly after that, but muffled, shut in an outbuilding by the sound of it. Later, he noticed the glow of lights from the farmyard, apparently on a different circuit to the perimeter lights. Eventually, his phone shook with an incoming message. It was Gaz. Something happening in yard. Come and see. Important. He remembered Gaz's briefing on the place and fired back. You mean come through fence? Near broken light? The reply was swift. Yes, through fence. Hurry. Important. Can't talk. This is what he'd come for. Jake checked there was no one in sight and advanced towards the farm. A minute later, as he edged forward, leaves rustling behind him, a stench like a slap hit his face, and he blinked hard, nose wrinkling, feeling his eyes start to water. With a feeling of revulsion, he wondered if he had stepped on something dead, a fox, a rabbit, a bird, and wiped his eyes, scanning the ground. He switched to breathing through his mouth, and that wasn't as bad. But as he moved forward, he realised that what he had taken to be the odour of something small and dead nearby was actually the reek of something large and dead far off. Something in the farmyard, screened by the stables. He checked the path ahead with a monocular, then, lowering it and trusting to his own vision, ran to the fence. None of the perimeter lights came on. So far, so good. Jake crouched. He was about to get the wire cutters from his rucksack when he found that the bottom of the fence had been worked loose, bent up and out and off the ground with a shallow depression below. Both the wire and the ground were darkly stained with what he took to be blood. Perhaps this was a route used by foxes. Overcoming his distaste, Jake took firm hold, interlacing his fingers with the wire, and stood slowly, wrenching it high off the ground before kicking and worrying at the dip in the soil below, angry at the effort it took. Once he had bent the wire enough, Jake propped it up on his rucksack and wriggled underneath, feeling its jagged ends clutch at him, snag his clothes. 
He paused on the inside, looking at his rucksack. He didn't want to have to wrestle with the fence again if he needed to get out in a hurry. So he left it where it was. Dashing over the open ground, Jake flattened himself against the brick wall of one of the stables and edged along. It was separated from the next block by a narrow alley leading into the farmyard, black with shadow, all the way to the far end. That's where he positioned himself, on the fringe of the halogen glare bathing the cobbled square beyond. There was definitely something happening there, in the yard, and he started recording it with his phone before he was even sure what it was. Still breathing through his mouth, Jake was vaguely aware of too little a smell of manure from a farmyard, and too great a smell of death. Peering through the viewfinder, he tried to minimise the dazzle from the lights on the surrounding buildings, whilst trying to understand what he was seeing. When he did, he almost dropped the phone as he thrust it away from his face, hands shaking as if to keep the image at bay. But no, there it was, right in front of his eyes now, unmediated. Lying on its back in the cobblestoned yard was a horse, a dead horse, a long dead horse with its legs jutting stiffly in the air like an upturned table. It had been slit open from neck to anus, its intestines and internal organs now external heaped untidily beside it. In the white, unforgiving lights, the contrasts were extreme, the shadows hiding far too little of the blackish long coagulated blood and the grey-green foulness of the decomposing organs. And the stench. Jake turned his head, the vomit already in his mouth, and sprayed it down the side of the wall. And the worst of it? What Jake then thought was the worst of it, was that the horse was moving. Sudden shudders that set the legs shaking and sent gelatinous squelching pulses from the excavated carcass. And then, as he straightened, wiping his mouth, Jake saw something worse. Lying inside the gutted horse was a youth, laughing as he writhed naked in the putrid flesh, smeared in its foulness, his hair matted. As Jake watched, the boy squatted between the shattered ribs, his hands obscured from view, held close in front of his body, working furiously at something. A harsh, guttural croak burst from the boy. <laughs> Again and again, the sound scraped its way out, befouling the already polluted air. It was the sound of choking, of nails being drawn down the inside of a throat, of desperate, end-of-life gasping, a death rattle. And then the boy was still for a moment, hands resting on his knees. Head bowed, he stood proudly. I done it, Dad! He called triumphantly. I done it! Jake looked up, following the direction of the boy's head, and shuddered to see that on the far side of the farmyard, just inside the shadows, 
were several figures. They stepped forward. Ted Slegsby, his wife and daughter. Slegsby moved closer. Let's see then. The youth tilted his head back until it was bathed in the halogen. His brow wrinkled, eyes screwed shut in concentration. I can see, he said. Come on, Denny, murmured his mother. I can feel. You can do it, Den, said his sister. I can move. I can walk. And then Jake saw something that relegated all that went before to mere prologue. Stepping unsteadily from the ruined horse was a humanoid figure, 18 inches tall, a chubby parody of a baby, with a finger-drawn mouth and thumb-jabbed eyes. A thick-limbed putrescence walking on almost legs, reaching towards its maker with almost arms and flexing stubby protrusions that yearned to be fingers, a monstrosity lovingly moulded from rotten horse flesh. When its would-be mouth tore open, a wet squeal piped out. Jake felt his bowels open. Ted Slegsby dashed a tear from his eyes. I'm so proud of you, Denny boy. Everyone. And the rest of the family stepped forward and chanted, the women echoing Slegsby. Let us praise Gar-a-ga-ga-ga-gan, the fragrant carrion, Gar-a-ga-ga-ga-gan, the swelling tumour, Gar-a-ga-ga-ga-gan, Gar-a-ga-ga-ga-gan, Gar-a-ga-ga-ga-gan. The sound of that dreadful name battered Jake's ears and eyes, disorientating him as much as the horror of the scene disgusted him. He tried to turn, to run, but his legs just trembled. And then his phone, forgotten in a limp hand hanging at his side, vibrated. Dumbly, numbly, he glanced down at it. It was a text from Gaz. It said, Hello, Jake. Come and join us. And with hollow comprehension, he looked up to see Ted Slegsby grinning at him across the farmyard, waggling a smartphone in the air. Hope your phone's as good as your mates, he shouted. Nice to have a souvenir of the occasion. Stay, stay away, was all Jake could muster, backing slowly down the alley between the stables. Like animals, do you? Slegsby rattled a bolt to and fro on the barn door. Got three Rottweilers and a staffy in here. Like em. Um... I can get him, Dad. Then Slegsby turned, his eyes still closed, and the fleshy atrocity behind him turned. Its open, wound eyes aimed straight at Jake. Ted Slegsby and the rest of his family closed their eyes, and the creature started running, scampering like a clumsy toddler, leaving bloody footprints on the cobbles. That is when Jake turned and ran, not even noticing that he was screaming. He ran down the alley, across the open ground, and dived into the gap below the fence, the sharp ends of the wire scraping across his scalp. He was halfway through 
when new waves of fetid air engulfed him, and three small bloated shapes scurried from the dark wood to fling themselves upon him with sticky, stinking, clinging hands, and a squeal that choked his mind and throat. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Flesh Child was written by Stephen Prizman, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Mayu and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by zapsblatt.com. You can check out more of Stephen Prizman's short stories and novels. They're all available on amazon.com.co.uk and all the dots across the world. Once again, I just want to give a big shout out to three absolute legends, three superheroes, Michael Bellinger, Karen Cooper and Nicole Danger. Thank you so much for your support. These three people have just become patrons of The Other Stories. Not only are they helping us to keep the machine oiled and keep our creators paid, but they will also get their names in all of the HNC books and they will get early ad-free access to the regular episodes of The Other Stories as well as exclusive bonus episodes, videos, and we'll get to our first say what themes are entered into the TOS poll. So once again, join me in saluting these absolute legends for their continued fight against crime. And by crime, I mean no new episodes of The Other Stories. You too can become a patron and join the fight over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and pledge from as little as a dollar a month. Until next time. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.